Every year, the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation releases its County Health Rankings Report. So the County Health Rankings is uh, an annual snapshot of the health of nearly every county in the United States. And it provides data to communities to take an annual checkup of what's happening in their community and helps people see that where you live matters for how long you live and how well you live. That's Julie Willems Van Dyke. She's a senior scientist and director at the County Health Rankings and Roadmaps program at the University of Wisconsin. She joined me with Dr. Adam Schickendas, a pediatrician and assistant professor at UCLA, to talk about what this year's report revealed about the state of public health. The data proves that where you live does have an impact on your health, but a closer look gives scientific backing to something that a lot of us already suspected, that health outcomes when analyzed by race often tell an even more complex story. When we looked at trends across the nation, unfortunately, we saw a slight uptick in the percentage overall of babies being born at a low birth weight. And this is important because if a baby is born too small, they're already starting behind in life and more likely to die before their first birthday, more likely to have um, health challenges throughout their life. And when we looked at this and divided it by both place and race, we saw that African-American babies were being born at a higher rate of low birth weight in every single state in the nation than the counties in their state that had the worst rate. So this year's report uh, helped us look at that it is not only place that matters that drives opportunity for how well people live, but we also saw some really significant differences when we looked at health across racial and ethnic groups. Adam, I want to bring you in here because you um, are obviously you're a, um, a medical doctor, but you also do research. Tell us a little bit about the practice that you have in L.A., what type of community you're serving, and as you listen to what Julie's talking about, um, how that research has influenced your work. So I work in a low-income community in northern L.A. County in a safety net hospital setting, a clinic affiliated with a safety net hospital, and we see low-income families every day. We see a primarily Latino community, and we see the, the direct health effects and indirect health effects of these influences of class, place, and race uh, every day in terms of the health consequences for for the children that we serve. From poverty, poverty poverty-related social needs, such as risk of homelessness, food insecurity, housing insecurity, uh, payment problems, and other difficulties making ends meet that add up to -to day-to-day stresses that actually can take a large toll on the health of their children. Now, some of these things we've seen in, in my research, and obviously you, you all both familiar with this, these are often referred to as adverse childhood experiences, right? So ACE or the ACEs framework. And according to research, if you have uh, one, two, or the more ACEs you have, the less likely you are to maintain good health. Is that right? That's right. Adverse childhood experiences refer to a very specific set of traumatic and highly stressful early experiences before the age of 18. And they're traditionally conceived of as including experiences of physical, sexual, and emotional abuse. What we found in our study was that, exactly as you said, those parents who had experienced 
a high number of adverse childhood experiences actually had children whose behavioral health problems were more likely to be worse. So what we found was that there are actually intergenerational consequences of adverse childhood experiences that hadn't been described in the past. And Julie, how does that idea of intergenerational trauma or poverty or just intergenerational experiences factor into the research that you've done? Well, I think our research really complements each other and reinforces the experiences we're seeing because our research focuses more on the places where these families are living. And similarly, there are intergenerational effects of that. We know that when we look at, for example, the health outcomes of people who live in highly segregated communities, they are doing worse. Children who live in highly segregated communities are less likely to graduate from high school, more likely to live in poverty, more likely, again, to be born at a low birth weight or die before their first birthday. Now, when we think about residential segregation, it comes from a history of policies that were not fair, such as redlining in cities that made sure that people of color lived on one side of the red line and white populations lived on the other side of the red line. And the history of the disinvestment in those communities continues. And Adam, just in terms of what your work is, I'm wondering, is it, you know, what we're describing here between ACES and what Julie's talking about, are you seeing that zip code ultimately determines your health destiny? Zip code is a very powerful driver and probably the most important driver of health outcomes, as we've found over the last 20 years of research in this area. And the common denominator across all of these risk factors seems to be stress. And what we've been describing in terms of adverse childhood experiences, uh, residential segregation, experiences of discrimination, poverty and economic marginalization, all of those are forms of severe stress. And that stress has real biological and behavioral consequences that manifest as disparities in, in health outcomes. And Adam, I'm curious, because I think a lot of folks will say, uh, well, you know, these are communities, and in the United States, we have this refrain of working hard and pulling yourself mm -hmm. up by your bootstraps, and, you know, only if these folks ate better or spent their money in better ways, they'd be healthier, right? So I guess my question to you is, is twofold. So what, right, that there are these discrepancies? And then now what? Now what do we do? Well, exactly as Julie described, these discrepancies are not by chance, and they're not just a function of individual effort. They're a function of historical consequences of policies and practices that have systematically disenfranchised certain groups of people and given their communities less of a chance of succeeding from a health standpoint and an economic standpoint. So the idea that we should expect everyone to pull themselves up by their bootstraps, to have a heroic story of making it just to survive economically is really unfair. There actually needs to be some greater level of assistance, some greater level of investment, the kinds of things that Julie is talking about to reverse course and to actually invest in communities in a way that improves health for generations. Julie Williams Van Dyke is a senior scientist and director at the County Health Rankings and Roadmaps Program at the University of Wisconsin. And Dr. Adam Schickendas is a pediatrician and health services researcher and assistant professor in the Department of Pediatrics at UCLA. I want to thank you both for joining us. Thank you. Thank you very thank much. Thank you. And we'll be partnering with the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation all week, taking a look at how your race and your zip code influence how healthy you are. 
Hi, this is Kyle from Orlando, Florida. Here in Orange County, we live near a coal-fired power plant. If anything happens to that, including deregulations, everyone in Orlando could potentially experience respiratory problems, and that's a major issue. My name is Shannon Dotson. I live in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I struggled with the worsening of a multiple sclerosis diagnosis, and my wonderful, artsy, diverse, and loving neighborhood, I believe, has contributed greatly to living and successfully managing a chronic progressive disease. My name is Joe Alvarez. I'm calling from Shirley, Massachusetts, and I think that people living in Colorado generally are more healthy than anywhere else I've lived. I've lived all over the country. I think Colorado has an ideal outdoor atmosphere and it encourages outdoor activities 365 days a year, and that in turn encourages healthy habits. Lots of responses from you, our listeners, right there. We really appreciate it. And you can give us a call at 8778-MY-TAKE to weigh in or send us a tweet at The Takeaway. Our series continues all this week. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Tanzina Vega, and this is The Takeaway. See you tomorrow. R.I. Public Radio International. I'm David Remnick, host of the New Yorker Radio Hour. There's nothing like finding a story you can really sink into that lets you tune out the noise and focus on what matters. In print or here on the podcast, the New Yorker brings you thoughtfulness and depth and even humor that you can't find anywhere else. So please join me every week for the New Yorker Radio Hour, wherever you listen to podcasts.